I'm Amy, sex educator, sex and relationship coach, and co-owner of PurePleasureShop.com. And I'm April, sex toy maven, VP of Hot Octopus, and I've dedicated my life to the business of sex. We're two people with a passion for educating and inspiring shame-free conversations about sex and relationships. Welcome Welcome to to the the Shameless Sex Revolution. Revolution. Want to learn more? Go to ShamelessSex.com. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSSEX at PurePleasureShop.com. You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit PleasurePodcasts.com. Well, hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Shameless Sex Podcast. Bienvenidos. Bien. Oh, yeah. April's back from Mexico. I went to Mexico. She's very tan. She looks nice. I had a really rejuvenating time and I worked on the book often. Yes. I really worked hard. We have a book coming out if you're new to our show. Yes, we'll but tease like that. next year. But. Next year, it'll be a while. We're working hard on it diligently, even when we're on a holiday. Yeah. Well, it's the best thing to do on an air- airplane, by the way. Kills time and, well, it's like, you know, two birds, one stone. Yeah. And, um, well, that's not what this episode is about, although our book will talk about these topics as well as many topics that relate to sexuality. So this is with Dr. Justin Dubin. You might hear us call him Dr. Doobie, but that has nothing to do with marijuana. Um, we just were fucking with him because he's real fun to fuck with because he's a, he's just like a down-to-earth guy. He like said he doesn't mind. He's like a, he's just like a real I call him human. Dr. Scooby Dooby. Scooby Dooby. Well, a lot so a lot of people who are doctors, they you kind of like get put on this pedestal and people look at them as almost like superhuman. And I felt when we got on the camera with him on when we started recording, I was like you're actually like just kind of someone that I already feel like we're friends with, you know, that is, you know, I know that you've gone to more schooling than us. You've done lots of schoolings. You've done lots of education. You have a PhD and you're now you're doing residency and neurology uh, and surgery, surgery as well. The persons on his podcast, they're both doctors and Uh, they're surgeons, urologists. Yeah. So there's, there are two dudes and they're real people who are not like, I'm above you. In fact, there was a moment where we when we learned so much from him, but there was a moment where we taught him modern day terminology for speaking to anatomy in a more inclusive way. And he's like, I'm going to use that. So uh, this episode talks about everything from what, you know, he was calling it erectile dysfunction. And we actually changed it to erect, erectile control issues or ejaculatory control issues or just more about like, I don't know how to control my body as opposed to a dysfunction. Uh, also about poor because he did some studies with the porn industry blue balls are they a real thing blue balls <laughs> we did get that addressed i know that was fun i was like our blue balls how about what let's, let's talk about that what about blue labia what about uh purple hot pink with a little fuchsia is that a real thing okay anyways so it's a fun episode uh whether you own a penis you're a penis admirer um, uh, but especially for penis owners, for your your own health, um, there's a lot of really good things and your pleasure. So, and he's just kind of fun. We had a lot of fun with him. So, and handsome. Yeah, he's quite handsome too. Hello, you could you know you. I feel like you can tell when we're flirting with someone from the beginning. I told my partner, I was like, yeah. So the recording today, we were definitely flirting with him from the start. At least I was. I won't speak for April. I was. I was like, can I call you Mister Doobie? <laughs> I know you definitely were. I'm a big I, old flirt. Though. I plead the fifth. Uh, you plead the fifth, but I'm a big old flirt, and I just own that uh, shamelessly. My partner's like, you get that. So, all right. Anyway, so uh, ready for a sex question? I am, and I, I'm going in without knowing. Here we go. I'm 30 years old, and I'm male, and I've been my fiance for five years. We recently had a pregnancy scare. Well, actually, a few. She's always horny and wants to have a lot of sex, and I do too, but it's always in the back of my mind that I might get her pregnant. I know she wants kids, but I honestly don't think that I really want to, and I'm not sure how to break it to her. What should I do? Woo! Multiple questions in one. Okay, so wait. Let's break it down. Okay. She's always horny and wants to have a lot of sex. And so does he. And he does as well. And the the thought of being pregnant, and they've had some pregnancy scares, yeah. a few of them recently, and, and he's, he's like, always thinking about 
possibly getting her pregnant and she wants kids but, but they haven't had the conversation of uh, he doesn't want to have, okay. doesn't think he wants to have kids so there's two pieces here oh. that i would say is that conversation that's a hard conversation because that's like core values and then there's also the conversation of uh more about like st not sts but like pregnancy stuff like the other things that you can do to make it so because i they're not saying is someone on birth control i don't know are you using condoms we don't know we're not stating any of these but we can highlight some other options if you're not into birth control options or using condoms but so where should we go first chip what do you think okay <sighs> i'm taking a deep breath because five years they're obviously engaged because he used the word fiance. They so have a life plan. They have a plan. This discussion needs to be had because yeah. I'm going to speak on behalf of folks that I know in relationships that are uh, people that would be carrying children, meaning the child would be birthed by them. So uh, women, let's call these humans that I know yeah. women. Yeah. And 30, I don't know how old your partner is. It's not obviously a make or break time. Uh, as time goes on, you definitely need to think well, about you that. you get because, married and all of a sudden right. you're like, by the way, I don't want kids. Right. And the older you get, it could be a little bit more complicated for her to get pregnant. And that's a whole different side note. But I'm just saying age for a lot of women is it's it's harder to get pregnant the older you get it can be harder not for everyone well, the sperm just keeps on going for and most the people. Sperm, <laughs> right the sperm that's why there's men that are 90 that have had children right really? uh, right yes i mean i don't know i, I that think sounds Hugh wild. Hefner was uh, he was quite old he made babies at 90 he wasn't 90 he died before he someone sent us the stats on this um, because i can <laughs> actually look it up but i would he, like to he know he was quite well, I, I, yes. so I will agree with this. And the thing I will add to it is core values is like, this is a huge, huge fucking thing. So you're obviously you both want to get married because you're engaged. So another core value is having children. Like if you get married and you don't talk about this before, and then you, you actually like go through the process and the government's involved and someone has this idea that you're all going to start a whole family, whether, no matter who you are, let's switch roles. You're the penis owning individual in a heterosexual relationship who wants to have children and you get married and now you're vulva owning cis female partners like hey by the way i don't ever want kids that would be a big old mind fuck because these are core values and maybe some people are maybe some people are i don't knows but you're a i don't think i want this you're leaning more towards the no side so that needs to be addressed asap before you dive in deeper to make sure that this is going to work for y'all because um, if you know if that's really important to your partner and they're not aware of how you feel about that and, and then you all of a sudden have all these documents and the whole celebration all these things and then they find out you have a huge mess to clean up and that mess is kind of a under or over I don't know exaggeration of some sort um, it's so preventable if we talk about things before well to clear the Hugh Hefner thing, because <laughs> I am Jamie here for... If Thank I, you, Jamie. If I was. Jamie. So he had his youngest at 65. He died at 91. So okay. that's where it kind of... I think I merged sperm my, was, my Sperm thoughts. was still flowing at 65. But it sounds like there are a lot of famous people that have had children in their 80s. And there's a list of them and penis owners. And because... The sperm the, keeps on... Right. Going, and trucking. if you have help with medical technology, I'm, I'm that also can, I'm sure, be helpful if the motility totally. is totally right. And I think what you're saying is really important. And with this person, it's going to be cracking open the egg, no pun intended, and oh! having the conversation. But they don't want to crack open it. They're like, I do not want to crack that egg. So, but, but you but crack the emotional fun, egg. The though. emotional egg, I'm saying yeah. not cracking that egg, but you have to have the conversation. It's it's the right of both people to know exactly so, what each other wants. So the question is, how the fuck do you have this conversation? Mm -hmm. And what I would say is, um, we've talked about this so many times on our podcast. Like, how do you how, how do you talk about sex? And if you look up, if you go to our website shamelesssex.com, and you look up various episodes by Monica Jane, is very good about talking about sex. Mm -hmm. uh, Doctor Nan Weiss has done episodes on how to talk about sex. These are how to ask for what you want, how to 
have hard conversations. Um, so go look those episodes up. But really, you're you're finding someone not not while you're fucking. You know, when everyone's in great spirits, you have spaciousness, and you're like, there's something really big and important that I've been thinking about. I need to talk to you about. Is now a good time? Likely, they're gonna say yes because they're gonna freak the fuck out and be like, no, we need to talk about it. Um, but they might be like, oh, I don't know if now's a good time. How about tomorrow? And so, because you, you don't want to corner them with a hard thing when they're not ready for it. So make sure that those things are in alignment. And then first, I would start with April calls it a shit sandwich. We'll start with the beauty of I want to marry you. I love you. I really want to share a life with you. And I don't know if I ever want to have kids. And go from that place. Because that's and it's a hard thing. Because if you have, who knows? They didn't stay if their partners definitely wanted She's, kids. I said, I know she wants kids. Oh shit, I missed that piece. But okay. I don't know, and I'm not sure. Oh yeah. So I one thing I would like to invite this person to do is. Although you may not be clear, I would try to get some sort of clarity on what you want. If you do want yeah. children or you are a hard no or if you're a maybe. So if the maybe is, OK, maybe I want kids. You're not on birth control. If we did have a baby, I would be there to support you and this child. If you're a hard no, then that could be and that could just be a misalignment at the time. But that could that be a is, deal breaker. It is something to get clear on because a child isn't just I uh, it's it's not something to fuck around with. Right. Seriously. It's not like, oh, no, that's the biggest one. To yes. Fuck around with. And, and, and you could stay engaged for five more years until you figure it out, too, by the way. Like why 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 a wedding and why the whole ceremony while you're still figuring out, do I want this? And but that for as April saying, the egg owner, the person who has ovaries and has a limited supply and, and, and time changes whereas the sperm people apparently you know someone was able to make kids in their 60s because um, they have a penis and testicles that it's a little different so I would say like you need to give her the choice and, and the right to know um, where you stand and then move from that place that's an ethical and um, a way to act from out of integrity, yeah. which from your from your piece. And I think writing and asking this question is the first step to that. Yeah. And there's always places that you could go to also get some assistance with that, meaning talking to a therapist. Mm -hmm. You mentioned Nan Wise on our show, but we have other incredible resources for you. There's super easy ones, which, which actually someone that we adore and love and they're a sponsor of our podcast because we see the ease in, well, sorry, the challenge first in finding a therapist and finding support and like, my relationship's fucked or I'm having a hard time with myself. And so you're like, how do I find someone? It's really expensive. It's just hard to do um, where to go. Like, And, and so do better I swipe help left or swipe what right do I do? Or, I a therapist. or just like, oh, my God, my partner and I are fighting right now and I don't know what to do or what to say or how do I say this thing? So we are big fans of BetterHelp.com. And if you go to BetterHelp.com slash shameless sex, I personally have had plenty of moments where I'm like, I wish there was a little therapist on my shoulder that could help me to say the thing in the way I want to say or things feel really hard it's not like they will respond in like five seconds but i believe it's like 48 hours or something really helpful There's i wouldn't put this off if i were you my advice it from a person that it, i've never wanted children and that's a conversation i have with a penis owner soon like in right the after yeah. right i'm like yo look if this is what you want that's not going to happen for me and even sometimes when i thought maybe it was a maybe in my 20s i always came back to a no and it was for me it was my it, it's been my my choice and i respect when folks are like well okay nope then i have to find another partner because yeah. i do yeah. want children and i'm like awesome yeah and i love you and now we can be friends and homies and hang out and it will be hard and, and it, it would be, be hard. I mean, especially after five years. Yeah, these conversations are not easy. The aftermath is not easy. And who knows what you might find? Though you actually might find a little more alignment than you think. Who knows? But you need to plant the seed there because this is a core value. It's a really important. Absolutely. Factor. All right, you ready for a bio? Yes, I am, man. All right, Doctor Justin Dubin specializes in urology and is currently completing his fellowship in male infertility and sexual medicine at Northwestern University. Doctor Dubin is 
passionate about men's health and education with the goal of improving both the lives of penis owners and their partners. He has been published in multiple articles and quoted in the New York Times, Insider, and Men's Health, and is the current co-host of the Men's Health podcast called Man Up, a doctor's guide to men's health. To learn more, check out the links in our show notes or visit themanuppod.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Shameless Sex Podcast interview time. We are here with Dr. Justin Dubin. But we, just a second ago, we were asking, can we call you Doobie like Dr. Doobie or Justin, Justy? I don't know, like Dubito. I don't know, like all the, the names. I've gotten the Dubinator, like Doobie Doobie Doo. <laughs> all of it. It's, it's all good. It's all, all good. All right. Well, so he is the, the doctor on scene here at Shameless Sex Headquarters. He's over in... Uh, I already forgot you're currently in Chicago, Chicago. Yeah. originally currently from New Chicago. Jersey, moving to Miami. Oh, there you go. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Nailed it. All right. Well, April is the recorder of all the knowledge, which is nothing new. Why do we so. need Zoom when we just have me? And I <laughs> <recording>? <laughs> we were also so this will lead into our first prompt or question because you were just talking about like mom's proud that you're the doctor of erectile dysfunction or erectile control issues, blue balls, porn, etc. So, yes. But, Let's elaborate on this, Dr. Doobie, uh, Dr. Justin Dubin. Please tell us how you got to where you are today in the field of sexuality. Mom is so proud. Yeah. So, you know, I grew up in New Jersey, as I told you guys, as you guys just said. Um, I, I did my undergrad at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore. I majored in biology. When I graduated, I was like, I don't want to go from studying hard to studying even harder. So I, I really didn't want to go straight to med school. So I applied for jobs and I and I applied for a lot of different research jobs. And I ended up getting an offer to work in urology. And I had no idea what the hell urology was at the time, but I needed a job. And I ended up working over at Cornell in, in Manhattan as a clinical research coordinator. I really fell in love with, with the field. Um, you know, Obviously, it's a lot of genital urinary system. Anything you could pee out of, anything you could ejaculate out of is pretty much what we deal with. I, I ended up going to complete my medical school degree at Rutgers, and then I got my residency. I completed my residency at the University of Miami. And while at Miami, I really got interested in male infertility and sexual medicine. And a lot of the research that we did that we're going to talk about is actually done, was done then. And I, a lot of some of the other stuff done now. And currently I'm wrapping up this specialty in male infertility, sexual medicine at Northwestern. And then I'll be moving back to Miami. I'll be practicing in Hollywood. But what I really love about sexual medicine and infertility is really that you get to focus on people's quality of life. You know, most medicine, when you think about medicine, you're like, I don't want to die or <laughs> like, I'm sick as shit. Like someone come help me. Um, but when you're thinking about sex and you're thinking about babies, you're thinking about good things, positive things, feeling good about yourself. And when, if I can improve your quality of life, instead of focusing on not dying or, or feeling like shit, I, I think that that is really fun to me. And, and just to put it in simple terms, if, if some doctor can extend your life for about 20 more years, but you can't have sex, you're, you know, you're not living your best life. How good are those 20 years really going to be? right? I'm here to make sure you're living your best self. The other thing that I think is really cool about sexual medicine is that sexual health is health. And there's a lot of things that go into sexual health problems that are seemingly unrelated, but very related. You know, a lot of other health issues, diabetes, heart problems, anxiety, depression, you name it, it may have a relation to your sexual health and how you're doing. And for men who I'm sure you guys feel this way, men, we don't talk about sex enough. It's, it's, I feel like a lot of the times it's, it's women who are the most open about these things and, and getting guys into the clinic, getting them to see me. Often these guys, I'm the first doctor they've seen in 20 years because they don't want to talk about it. And they're not going to see a doctor because they have diabetes or because they're overweight, but they're going to see because their dick doesn't work, right? They can't, they can't have sex. So they're definitely, that's the only thing they do care about. And that provides me with this very unique opportunity to be like, hey man, you're 300 pounds. 
you got like very bad sugar, you, you're potentially getting diabetes, you're at risk for heart disease. If you eat healthy, you do all these things, not only are you, your, is your penis going to be better, your sex life is going to be better, but guess what? All these other things are also going to be better. So it's a really, really cool field for medicine when you look at it in that way. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you probably, when people come to see you, you give out t-shirts that say, I'm here for a good time, not for a long time. <laughs> Is that true? No. <laughs> like, well, I want you to be here for a long time and know, a good I'm time. I'm fucking yeah. with you, but <laughs> I know, you know, that actually could be your trademark. I want you to be here for a good time and a long time. I guess we got to get these shirts printed. So. I know. We I probably like shame a section at the bottom, by the way. Trade PM. Ed, yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's well, make a shirt. Talking to you, I feel so comfortable already, even though we've been on the air with you for just a few minutes, because you do have this relatability that's really comforting, at least for me, talking to a dude about sex. And if you're another penis owner out there talking to people about sex, when it's your doctor or your primary care physician, it can be daunting. And so I just want to give you some cred, some street cred for our, our 15 minutes of Zoom right now. And You're more I, than 15. Well, 15 minutes. Sorry. Thank you. Uh, that was two minutes on the air of like amazingness right before <laughs> oh, we learned well, about your done mom. So yes, far, I yes. get it. Yes. Sorry. So that wasn't my question, though, nor my my uh, association of the good that. time and long time. <laughs> You're welcome. But coming back to I just love a doctor status. Just Justin, Dr. Justin. Should we call you Dr. Justin or Justin Dubin or Dr. Dubin? What would you prefer? You can call me Dr. Justin, Dr. Dubin, okay. either Dr. Dr. Justin or just Justin is fine. Okay. I don't know. I'm fine with that. Uh, right. right. So you were the first doctor. doctor to look at sexual health for porn stars, which is really yes. incredible. So yeah. I want to know what inspired this? What were the first studies evaluating porn stars and what were the results? Yeah. So this kind of came out when I was in Miami training. And at the time we were seeing a lot of guys and I still do see a lot of guys, younger guys who come in with erectile dysfunction, complaining of it, pretty healthy guys. And a lot of these guys started saying, you know, you know, I'm watching porn. I'm trying to come do the positions that I see these guys doing. And I think it created this level of anxiety and they just kind of felt like they couldn't do what they were watching these guys doing. And being in Miami, I also saw porn stars sometimes come in and complaining sometimes of the same issues, right? They couldn't perform in the way that they needed to. These are sex workers and, you know, it's important to perform in a manner. So, you know, I thought it would be really interesting if we could kind of see whether the porn stars are having the same issues that all these other guys are having, because at the end of the day, you know, we need to know, you know, they're having a lot more sex than the average person, I'm assuming. And there could be health implications on this. You know, I don't know what the implications are. So let's investigate and let's use this as an educational tool, both for porn stars themselves, the adult entertainers, and for people who are trying to be like them, right? Or trying to play that sexual role that they are. So we looked at females and males. So that was the the males part, but we also looked at females, but I'll talk about the males first. And we can always talk about the females too, because I thought that was a very interesting look. But we we looked at was we assessed, uh, we created a survey, anonymous survey for porn stars. We looked at erectile dysfunction based off of a, a, a validated survey for called the IIEF. Um, And we also looked at, you know, their general age characteristics. We also looked at whether they were using other things, whether they have things like a penile implant, they're using Viagra, Cialis, penile injections. And um, at the end of it, we found some pretty interesting stuff. So, and you can't make this up. I mean, it's just perfect. 69% 69% of the porn stars. I mean, of course, right? 69%. Yeah, 69% magic number. <laughs> were using Viagra or Cialis, some kind of medical erectile aid. And about 40% of porn stars were diagnosed based on this survey with erectile dysfunction. They were suffering from erectile dysfunction, which is pretty high. Most of these guys were under the age of 40. What was more more concerning though, is that the younger guys, the ones under 30, were actually using more of the Cialis and Viagra than the older guys. And most of these guys were, you know, had really bad erectile dysfunction as well. So, you know, it's it's very interesting when it came to to the men. I'm not sure. Do you guys want to hear about the women as well? Or? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Totally. Okay. Always. So what we did for the women was there's something called female sexual dysfunction that I'm sure you guys are familiar with, but basically it's 
it's a diagnosis of where you have some unfavorable sexual response, often causing a lot of distress, whether it's a lack of desire, orgasm, or pain during intercourse. And there is a survey that is part of it to, to anal analyze uh, if you're at risk for female sexual dysfunction, but the actual diagnosis requires a physical exam. But we did send that survey out to female porn stars uh, to see how many of them actually have or are at risk for FSD. And what we found out was that about 24% of these women had uh, were at risk for FSD, which is actually much lower than the general population. The general population, U.S. population, is around 40% of women have some sort of female sexual dysfunction um, at some point in their life. What do you consider to be dysfunction, though, within the, in terms of of this? Is it like, ejaculation, yeah. orgasm? So it's what? a it's a great question. So it's a combination of everything. The survey was this thing called the FSFI, Female Sexual Function Index, and it scores. It's a very weird score, but basically, if you have less than twenty six you're considered to be at risk for female sexual dis dysfunction. And it combined, has questions on all of these things. So, you know, it's kind of a threshold that is met, um, but it, it does include questions on orgasm, pain, uh, desire, all of those things are incorporated in that survey. But the question is like, okay, so less 24%, that's almost half of the general population. Why would this be? And you know, the first thing to point out is the average age for the women was 34. And if you picture porn stars, what age are you really thinking about? Like 20, 21, to 25. Yeah. Right. Oh, sorry. So, 18. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, you know, MILF porn, everyone's got their thing. Yeah. And the MILF, milf porn's porn, 30. They're you know. 30 when MILF porn. So. Are they really? <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty sure. Uh, <laughs> All right. Um, uh, you know but, more than uh, we do. So. I would assume, I'd be a guilt in porn. My brain, okay? I'm thinking 45. Yeah. Really? <laughs> I, uh, okay. I could be wrong. Well, I, I'm yeah. 34. I don't know. Maybe it's. All right. Well, uh, welcome to the 30s. It's great. That's great. I love my 30s. 30s it's are great. Fabulous. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Welcome um, to like, anyway, the guilt porn. So, so I think it kind of self-selected, right? I think we self-selected a population of like, if you're 18 and you have female sexual dysfunction, you're probably not going to stay in the porn industry for long because it probably isn't fun, right? So I think the people who were around it and didn't have these issues probably stayed in it longer. So I kind of mm. think that that's where we're at with that. So that's the, what we found on those studies. So the dysfunction piece would be, because that's like a broad category. And so, right. Because like for us over here, when we describe erectile control, orgasmic, those are the words we would use instead of dysfunction yeah. we would say so i have an erectile dysfunction would be i don't have the control over my erections that i would like to i don't have or ejaculatory control i don't have the control over the ejaculatory process when i come when i don't come etc whether it's delayed ejaculation early ejaculation which people call premature um and then for uh for uh vulva owning individuals also anorgasm anorgasm oh, which dr nan has talked about um like i can't i just i can't have an orgasm yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and there's and so there's all these things and and but they all get thrown on this like category of dysfunction and people are like ah, I'm broken you know so that's like the, this whole whole piece there that can be really hard and I want to highlight just my personal opinion of just thinking yeah. that there's a beauty in the studies that are happening that are showing or generalizing various things of your experience is normal or not unusual and we're going to get into the, all the whys here because that's yeah. actually kind of a little more of the next question um, and also we are big on you know like taking people out of these tiny little boxes of broken or not you know and and like you know dysfunction or functional and that and so nothing as you that's just what we do to clear up no here, so i, I here, love so. i, I yeah. gotta i love the way that you frame it with control i had not heard that before and i think i'm definitely going to try and incorporate that because i think that's it's such a you know when you're talking about sexual health you're talking about problems with us you're having with sex if you're putting dysfunction or things like that, it is stigmatizing. And I love the idea of regaining control, having better control over something that you may not have uh, that you, currently. I love that. That's awesome. And, and it goes hand in hand with what you were saying earlier with you're kind of a, a little more preventative than like, let's wait till I'm dying and sick. Right. So then yeah. we have a full on dysfunction because I'm on my deathbed. But instead, it's preventative of like, all right, the thing isn't working the way I want it to. I'm only 18. And you know, what, what, what needs to happen here and how do I learn more about this? So, and that's why we're doing episodes like this. So what's up shameless sex fam is your sex life 
important to you. Hmm. What about your relationships? And also, let me ask you this. Who can relate to this story? Things were once so good in the bedroom with my partner, and now it's a mess, and I don't know what to do. Where's or, my happily ever after, yeah, where's Amy? My ha- yeah, yeah, what about me? Or how about so many aspects of my life are fantastic, but when it comes to sex and relationships, I feel so lost. Yep, been there. Uh, mm. Me too. Mm-hmm. And this is why you all need Shameless Sex, the, the book. book. We give you simple, simple solutions and a framework that you can use. You can customize it to you. Yes, you gives you the tools, the right tools for your sex and relationship. So you get what you desire and it's fun. It's playful. Right, Amy? We're always playful. It's kind of sexy. And did I mention how easy we make it for you? You have to check out Shameless Sex. Plus the testimonials, they're coming in from everywhere. And this book has helped people just like you recreate and create the sex life of their dreams. So you can do it too. Go to, where are they going, Amy? Shamelesssex.com. Oh, how easy is that? Just go to shamelesssex.com and click on the book, okay? And you can get it however you choose. You, you want, want hardcover, yeah. audio. Hardcover? We got you hardly yeah. covered. <laughs> okay, let's talk about just more about like the erectile dysfunction piece or erectile control. Outside the porn industry, you were seeing that the vulva owning partners, so the female partners, female identified partners, um, that yes. they were being blamed for the erectile issues. Um, yes. And then this impacted their own wellness. Why do you feel like their penis owning partners, so that we're talking about heterosexual relationships, were more yeah. so blaming their female partners in the first place? Yeah, it was a pretty interesting thing. This study came about honestly, because I was just listening to to people because as a sexual medicine doctor, a lot of women were coming and saying, Hey, you know, my partner has been blaming me for their ED and that I feel terrible. I feel guilty. Is this true? Is it my fault? And I started seeing it enough that I was like, Holy shit, what the hell is going on here? I've never heard of this before. And this wasn't something that I don't think most people were aware of. So we did a survey and we surveyed over 13,000 women um, asking um, them about their sexual experiences, having had or whether they had a partner lose their erections, had they been blamed and how that impacted their physical health, their mental health and their relationships. And we found that approximately 80% of women, and this spanned all age groups, uh, had experienced a male partner losing their erection during sexual activity at one point, which been isn't there. surprising. Yeah. But <laughs> listen, we, we've all been there. Like, yeah. I, if a guy has told me, like, guys have told me, oh, it's never happened. I'm like, you're bullshitting. Been Come there on, with all kinds happen. of ages, of all ages, the people I've had sex with. There was a time, if we had sex multiple times, where like the dick just wasn't doing what the dick wanted to. Right, exactly. But what was more concerning, though, was that one out of seven of these women, of all women actually, had experience being blamed by their partner for loss of their erection. That's a huge number that I did not see coming, right? Like, that's so crazy to me. And what was really even more worrisome was that we found out that these women who were blamed for erectile dysfunction, they were more likely to end the sexual encounter. They had a stronger sense of responsibility and worry. They were less sexually satisfied in these relationships, and they were more likely to end the relationship because of their partner's ED. Hmm. So, you know, this one thing, blame, is compromising physical wellness, mental wellness of your partner and the relationship as a whole. For what? I mean, it's, 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 it's something that we need to do better at. And mm-hmm. I guess the question you said was like, why is this happening? Like, why are guys doing this? I, I don't really truly know, but I, I think what has to be part of it is in a relationship, there is a lot for most people, there's this emphasis on sex. It's a very personal thing that's very important amongst two people. And there is this always masculine idea of performing and satisfying your partner and being this like stallion of a guy in my mind and what I think some guys come to me and complain about. 
and they have this pressure, sometimes when it's the first time interacting with a partner, they're probably anxious, they're probably uncomfortable, they're probably nervous. And you hear things like, oh, this has never happened before. You're the first person this has ever happened with. Don't like, it's not you. Like, like it's totally you. Like this is, you know, so there's these interactions, whether it's a, it's a long-term relationship thing or could be these one-off one-night stand things. But I think these things do go wrong and we have to do a better job of realizing that they're going to happen. It's not like sometimes it could happen. It's probably going to happen to you. And how we react in the moment is so, so important, not really just to you, but to your partner as well. The thing about performance anxiety or performing in a sexual situation and porn stars are performers, right? They're there for entertainment value and they're they're helping folks out there have more spank bank material the thing is is their their longevity in their career is based on their performance and when we're talking about the civilian population right civilians people that are, are not in the the entertainment world there's so much held in what they've experienced in movies and not only not only porn mm-hmm. pornos i hate that word for some reason but pornographic films but also what they what they're seeing in other mainstream media movies and shows and we all forget and amy and i talk about this so often that our largest sex organ is our brains yes and so mm-hmm. when you get your brain is turned on and you're so fucking turned on by this human that you're with and you are not wet enough in your own brain, right? My pussy's not wet enough. My dick isn't hard enough, or I came too soon, or I'm not getting hard. That is a mind fuck. And then it can shift your entire experience with a person because you are held in this space of your brain taking over and forgive yourself and move on words with that because that happens to all of us. And so that's not my question. That's just an observation by what you're, what you're I talking totally about. I agree with you. And that, that's why the dysfunction piece for me is such a hard thing to hear because I've been with dudes before that have been like, wow, your pussy isn't wet. You don't, you don't want to fuck me. And I'm like, whoa, whoa I'm on whoa. antihistamines. Come on. And so reframing that for them over the years, I, at first I did think something was wrong with me. Oh, my pussy isn't wet enough. Oh my God. Something's wrong with me. This broken thing comes up. And so if your cock isn't responding as well for talking to people that own penises, that can also be a bit of a thing. And I've been in situations with men, dudes, cis men that I'm like, oh my God, your cock's not hard. And me being now in a state of owning the fact that doesn't mean it's about me at all. I'm with a person that's really into me and I'll check in. Is everything okay? How's it going? There's no pressure. Let's just be, that's another way to frame it. So I take a a different route there. I don't even say, is everything okay? Cause I feel like that in itself is like spotlight. Oh shit. My dick is on the spotlight. And so for me, I'm more like, oh, all good. We, there's so many things you have all these hands you got this mouth there's so many things we could do like it doesn't matter if your cock is hard or, or soft it's like there's so that's many a, things that we can do good, that's also I have a whole yes. drawer of sex toys and and so like the taking off the the attention and then honestly what often happens is then the cock kind of starts to get off that's it gets it, back up it wakes totally. up it wakes yeah. up yeah it, it has revived itself but just to piggyback off of that before the question i think you both bring up Excellent points. Well, first off, one problem that we do have with men is that men associate sex with just penetrative intercourse. Uh And everything that you guys just said is 100% right. Just because my penis doesn't work doesn't mean that I can't use my mouth. I can't use my fingers. I can't use other parts of my body to pleasure your body. So that's a very important thing that we need to continue to stress. Um, the second thing is that in this study, I, I, uh, I sent I put it online. And one of the most interesting things I got back was from men saying like, yes, this is a problem. However, exactly what you guys said, it was like, sometimes I didn't get it up and I was laughed at. And that also bothered me. And I felt compelled to whether respond or, so it does go both ways. I only did the study on this side. I don't have any data on the other, but it is an important consideration, right? It's not anyone's fault. I would say most of the time it's neither person's fault. So let's just let it be and let's move on and do something else. And there's still ways to have fun. Endless. This, this next question, I believe that I kind of, it might be rhetorical in my own brain. It is because we're speaking a lot to the straight world right now, hetero relationships. 
And I know, I, I mean, I have plenty of friends that are all over the spectrum. If we're talking about the Kinsey scale that lean towards the same experiences that we all experience in, um, in the hetero world, but do you have any studies or knowledge of how this shows up in non-hetero relationships or do you, is, is it more of this in the straight world? It's a great question. And I, I don't have any data and I don't know at all to be honest. And, but I, I would imagine that it's probably, you know, we're all human. We're all human. We all, you know, like you said, you know, whether you have a vulva, you have a penis, whatever, whatever it is, if something's bothering you, you may feel guilt, you may put blame on someone. So I can't imagine it's non-existent within those communities as well. I just don't know the prevalence or how it impacts other people. But I think we'd be crazy to say that these things don't happen with any relationship. I don't care who you're with or how you identify. These things are innately human and that's what we all are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that people would assume like, okay, so like, I love using the example of drives April crazy because I do it for every fucking episode. So April and I are in a relationship. We both have pussies. So one would assume I have a pussy and she has a pussy. So we would understand each other's pussies. And so when her pussy doesn't get wet, as someone else who has a pussy, I would understand, oh, I understand that your pussy is not wet. It's not about me because I know all about this, but I could still have all of my own stories and misconceptions about the way sexuality works because mm-hmm. who the fuck taught us in the first place, uh, whether you have a pussy or not, uh, you know, whether we have like the same and also her pussy is different than mine. So I would imagine that if someone were to go into the world of that data or those studies that you would still find some form of what you're talking about, where when we're, whether it's casual sex or long, long-term sex, we're often, um, in it, when we're, we're, it's comes, coming down to ego. It's coming down to worthiness and me putting my worthiness on you, right? Like you're not performing the way I want. And now I'm going to point my finger at you. Cause I don't feel good now, you know, and, and, right. and you know, whether it's pointing a finger at the person with the pussy, that's not wet enough, or didn't have the orgasm of the cock that didn't get, get hard or didn't have the orgasm or came too soon or all of these different pieces when instead we could be like, Oh, let's just make it about the journey. And we realize that we're human and that there's so much more here that is available. So I have a question though, for you about uh, erectile control issues. Yes. And so, because we've talked about like a number of the issues here, it sounds like a lot of it is more in the head, honestly, but like, what are some of the main actual uh, reasons for erectile control that you've seen? Yeah. So I'm going to call it erectile control because I think that's a great word. Nice. I like that. So <laughs> you can say dysfunction. Can I say having, it, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. well, having, all right, I'm just going to say ED. I'll just, yeah. I'll just break it yeah. down to ED. Um, so ED is actually way more common. I mean, than I think most people think so. The data shows that about 30% of men under 40 have erectile dysfunction, 40% in their forties, 50% in their fifties, 60% in their sixties, and about 70% in their seventies. Is that a correlation so, due to testosterone depletion or what, it, what, it, what is that in relation it's to porn? It's porn. A little bit, <laughs> yeah. The coincidence there is a little disconcerting to me. So I well, want to know more. This is beautiful because <laughs> beautiful because, you know, I know we seem like simple beasts and simple creatures. You get it up or you don't, it's black or white, but it's really much more complicated. Okay. And it goes back to this idea that sexual health is health. And there's so many things that can compromise these things. So to simplify it, I'm going to give you five things you need. You need five good things to get a good erection. Okay. You need, and if, if any of these things stinks or is in trouble or is compromised, you may not get it up. Okay. So five things, one, you need good blood flow, right? An erection is good blood flow to your penis. And if you don't have good blood flow, you're not getting an erection and you're not going to be happy. And these things can be impacted by things like heart disease, vascular disease, all things that can build plaque up or compromise, you know, the endothelium, what we call of your vessels. In fact, erectile dysfunction is a potential early sign for heart disease and, and, you know, potential MI, heart attack risk. So, you know, we actually have a sex doctors like me. We have a pretty good relationship with cardiologists because- we, I see a young guy who's overweight, no other issues than having erectile dysfunction. I'm like, mm, maybe you should go see a cardiologist to just get looked at. So that's number one. Number two, you need to have good nerves. You know, there's a lot of nerves that are involved with getting an erection, stimulating an erection, having a ejaculation, orgasming, and all these things. And these things can be damaged. Obviously, there's things like trauma, 
injuries. Um, but there's also things like diabetes, right? Having bad glucose levels, poorly controlled sugars damages your nerves. And people think when they have diabetes, they think I like vision loss. They can't feel the tips of their fingers. They lose sensation in their feet. But guess what else is like a organ that's like like an extra little finger it's your it's your dick so, <laughs> it's your penis so so that can be compromised okay number three is you you kind of alluded to hormone levels you need to have good hormone levels the big one is testosterone testosterone is uh, is a very important hormone for sexual health libido erections and and as you get older that level can decline uh, you know and some men have what we call hypogonadism or low testosterone and if you have these issues, the good news is, you know, we can fix them. We, we have medications, whether it's through injections of testosterone, if you want to preserve your fertility, um, there's other medications, oral medications. So there's options we can do to increase your testosterone and give you better erections, better sex life, potentially improve your fertility as well. The fourth thing is, this one's pretty obvious. You need to be aroused, right? Like you got to be turned no on. No way. <laughs> You know, I, I, I thought we could override that one. Okay, well, forget that one. That one was just, but the fifth no. one, it, it goes hand in hand with arousal is you need to be in a good state of mind, right? Mm. You can't have significant anxiety. You can't have this a fear or depression or something going on because, you know, I believe it was Robin Williams who said, you know, God made the brain and the penis and only enough blood to control one at a time. So if, if you know, if there's, if you're up in here, down here is not going to work. Mm -hmm. And the problems can be though, you know, even if you're treating your anxiety, you're treating your depression with things like antidepressants, unfortunately, sometimes the side effects of these things can also be lack, de decreased libido, decreased uh, erectile function. Um, it's just the nature of these medications. And th that's something that I usually don't, if you're having issues with, you know, the medications you're on for your mental health, um, that's something you need to talk with your psychiatrist. And they do excellent work of trying to, you know, find the right medication. There's a lot of different things out there that we can find that fits you and, and fits what you need. So those are the, the, the five things you need to get a good direction. I like that list. Okay, time for a quick break. This podcast is free to you because of our amazing sponsors like Uberlube. Uberlube is a luxurious silicone lubricant that can enhance your sex and intimacy. Uberlube's unique formula is velvety, long-lasting, with no flavor or scent, and it feels absolutely incredible on the body. There are thousands of doctors recommending Uberlube to their patients because it's less likely to throw off your pH than most other lubes. So whether you want to make your hot sex even hotter or you want to prevent dryness, take our advice and check out our favorite go-to, Uberlube. Uberlube isn't just for sex. I use it for massage, to tame my frizzy hair, to prevent chafing, even for oral sex sessions. I love how it comes in a beautiful bottle with a pump top for easy access, appearing more like a cosmetic product so you can leave it on your nightstand shamelessly. Uberlube is without a doubt my favorite lube and countless listeners agree, often stating, we never knew lube could be this good. To learn why we think it's the best lube on the planet, check out uberlube.com and use code SHAMELESSSEX for 10% off and free shipping. Again, that's uberlube.com. Use code SHAMELESSSEX for 10% off and free shipping. This podcast was also made possible by omgs.com. OMGS combines scientific research of real vulva owners so you can learn shame-free techniques on how to pleasure the pussy. OMGS studied 20,000 plus people of all ages and turned the research into animated modules, short videos, and beautiful infographics that are tasteful and easy to understand. Whether you want to learn about external pleasure, internal stimulation, or techniques with toys, OMGS can help you master vulva pleasure. Let me tell you, I've been recommending OMGS to my clients for years and it's been changing their lives because knowledge really can activate your pleasure power. OMGS is for anyone who cares about vulva pleasure and wants to take it to the next level. OMGS can help you become a sexual strategist by equipping you with the tools you need to unlock your pleasure potential. Plus, your OMGS purchase helps fund more pleasure research. OMG, that's great. Only pay once and these techniques are yours forever. That's right. This is not a subscription service and you don't need to download a thing. So go to omgs.com slash shameless to get 10% off when you purchase any OMGS season. Again, go to 
omgs.com slash shameless to get 10% off right now. Time to pursue your pleasure. And now back to the show. So that brings me to, I feel like it's a perfect segue because we just talked about SSRIs, which are the inhibitors that help folks when they're taking antidepressants. They're the serotonin uh, and, and help me out. Reuptake inhibitors. Re thank you. Thank you. Some, yeah, we have a doctor on board. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I've just heard it many no, times. I'm, I'm not a doctor <laughs> and I'm not a psychiatrist. So more folks I, I feel are, are on these SSRIs and there's other forms of medications that, uh, that help people yeah. that have uh, depression. And so I know there is a link between the brain's connectivity with the genitals and blood flow and whatnot. And my question isn't that technical, but I think it kind of leads into why are so many younger people experiencing erectile control issues these days specifically? Is it due to maybe the intake of more of these meds or are there other factors what about involved? Watching? Right. I just want to hear your take on this. Yeah. You know, I, I, it's such a controversial topic. There's so many papers out there. There's so many things trying to investigate why more young people are having these issues. And for me, the way I broke it down is kind of the exact two things that you alluded to. I think mental health is, is a real issue, right? You know, there's a mental health pandemic going on right now. We, we already know that during COVID, mental health issues ramped up. More people are on, were diagnosed with anxiety, depression. More people are on SSRIs, all these medications. Um, so that obviously is going to have an impact on this. And, you know, whether it's, you know, more presence of being on social media or doing all these things and always being, you know, lack of privacy, I don't know, but there is this overwhelming level. I feel you can feel it like anxiety in the air, you know, politics, everything's making everything more stressful. So I think that's number one. Um, and the second one is to some degree, I believe pornography, the data is like, wishy-washy some says yes you know pornography definitely does erectile causes erectile dysfunction some people say you know not all the time and i think for the most part like the general population are probably okay but i do think that there is definitely people who are you know because I, I i i love porn i think porn's great i think porn is important it's great for for self-stimulation it's great for partners it's 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 a great way to get yourself and other people aroused. It's a great tool. And you talk to any sex therapist, as you guys know, it's a great tool for a lot of things, even treating things like premature ejaculation. There's a lot of ways you can use pornography. Um, however, I think there is, you know, overuse there. There's absolutely populations that are overusing, over masturbating, some issues with, you know, over fetishizing where, you know, you get into this specific fetish and maybe someone can't perform that at home or your partner can't do that. And you can't match that level of excitement that maybe you meet. So I think it's, there is a level of pornography that, that has impacted this younger population, but to say pornography is the devil, I would never say that. That's not true. Mm -mm. Pornography for the most part is I think our friend, but um, obviously everything in moderation you have to be aware of yourself and what your what your situation what was that movie with don juan he was from uh that he was uh yeah, that was uh with joseph gordon levitt yes and uh he was he he was had a problem it, like, he was yeah. from new jersey like that's what i always think of when i think yeah. about that and yeah. she's like what the fuck you can't get off but scarlett yeah. johansson was scarlett in it Joe, scarlett yes, Joe, yeah. i just watched it the other yeah. day for the first time i'm like i can't believe i've only seen this for the first time Wait, yeah. I think good, the first good no no, no, no. Oh, no april keeps watching all these mafia movies oh, for the man, first time like have you not okay after after our dear we passed the other last week oh april we're going on a mafia movie journey i watched the Godfather for the first time yeah. about a week and a half ago. And then I watched the Godfather two. They're each about three hours. And now I'm about to oh, move yeah. on to the Godfather. We watch Goodfellas. We're like, and then we watch Goodfellas. Let's just depress you ourselves. Watch, Bronx Bronx Tale. You gotta watch Bronx oh, Tale. Add that to our list. Is that like Shark Tale for people in the Bronx? <laughs> <Shark> Tale! <Yeah. laughs> oh. What about wait, wait? You saw the Sopranos, New Jersey guy. You saw, yeah, 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 okay. yeah. Sopranos, that's, that's the most important. She has ever seen Scarface, too. So, this is, oh, yeah. you know, besides the point, because cocaine's not good for the dick either, everyone. And that's it's what not, that, that movie's all about. So, um, <laughs> uh, well, and, and I wanted to just add to the part like that the porn thing 
you know, because we agree we're not anti-porn. April and I love porn as entertainment. Uh, and also it, it's just it's happened so quickly. You watch it and it's like sensationalized where the dopamine is produced in your brain right. and things happening so quickly. And you accustomed to that. And it would make sense that being in front of another human or other humans and it being it less intense because it isn't all of a sudden this like you know, whatever you saw in the scene that is yeah. done, it, they're, they, you know, you've been on this, on the sets, it sounds like, right? They, they're set up this way. If I want to cut to, if I'm watching porn and I'm like, I just want to watch reverse cowgirl, I'm just going to watch reverse cowgirl it's that the quick, whole time. Right. Yeah, like, but I don't now, need the build yeah. up. I don't need That's to have That's what I do. Yeah. I, fast forward straight into the point where I want to get to and I'm yeah. like, exactly. Right, but that's what everyone, it. you're not the only yes. person that's yeah. like, everyone I'm, does yeah. it. And that's not real life. And that's yeah. the difference. We have I'm to like, make take me to the anal, but I want to see the anal right when the cock's going in without any warm up. And now they're fucking, which is POV, not realistic. Has to be, you know, <laughs> and I like, fast forward for them. Come shot. I don't want to fucking see the cum <laughs> shot. Me too. I'm like, Oh my God. Oh no, not my thing. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So, and so that would make sense though. Why the younger generation who porn is so accessible, right? Like every, every young, I mean, all the kids I know that are 12 and up have iPhones. And so like they can watch porn all over the place and, and, you know, like maybe they're the parental blocks or whatever, but it makes sense that that would make it so that, you know, things aren't as easy when it comes to ejaculation or erectile stuff or orgasms. And let's speak also to, to pussy owners. So, or vulva owners, when I speak underage, I want to say vulvas because pussy sounds a little wild. Um, but I have a question. Yeah. Semen retention. Oh yeah, I love. What this. are your thoughts on semen retention? Why is it such a popular topic right now? And does is it really a thing? So you guys have heard of it then? Oh because yeah, we had an episode had on a it. A couple of yeah. episodes yeah. actually. Okay, yeah. because this is amazing to me because I just presented research on semen retention um, at the AUA, the American Urology Association conference, and I would tell you that zero percent of urologists know what this is. So um, basically what it is, is, and, and I think it's a perfect segue from what we were just talking about pornography. So semen retention is this idea that withholding ejaculation improves your overall health and wellness. It's this idea that, you know, maintaining or holding your seed, it can improve your testosterone levels, your fertility, your hair, your skin. And there's this other conjoint, similar, but not exactly the same idea of this movement called NoFap which is FAP is, you know, masturbation. So, and that's oh. an anti Wait, what is FAP? Is it, is it an acronym for something? No, fap? it's, um, it's the noise, like fat, 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 fat. Oh, oh, this is my first time hearing <laughs> this. We just fap. learned uh, I, I think, I'm pretty okay. sure that's, that's what it is. Like, that's I'm hilarious. Sure okay. So it's, it's like a Reddit so, thing. It's like a Reddit thing. So no fat. Oh, a Reddit. Yeah. Okay. No, no yeah. fat is no like. Spanking no masturbation. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like no fapping. Yeah. Oh my God. So it's anti-masturbation movement and it's, it's more anti-masturbation and anti-porn in general. It's saying like stopping watching porn, stopping masturbation um, will improve your focus and energy. Semen retention is not as strongly anti-porn. It's just like do it to make yourself better. And over the last few years, these it's really gained, both of them have gained significant popularity. For the life of me, I have no idea why the hell it has been, but we looked at you know, men's health topics on TikTok and Instagram. And this is what we presented our research on. We were just interested what, what kind of research topics for men's health people are looking at on TikTok and Instagram. And by far, semen retention slash nofap was the most popular topic out of all the men's health topics we looked at. It had over 1 billion with a B views on TikTok, that topic, and over 1 million posts on Instagram. And I do not know why it's popular. But my my theory is kind of like what we were talking about with pornography, where maybe we were this generation where we had so much exposure, these younger guys, like we were the last generation of like, we could watch scrambled porn on like, uh, like we that were that it. generation. We too, used yeah. our, yeah, we used <laughs> our, we used our imagination. We were the last ones. Now, like you said, you could get on your phone and maybe so much of that has led to an overexposure that some people, and this is not everyone, obviously, that see things in more extremes who are like, okay, if I'm jerking off every day and I feel like shit, maybe if I just stop doing that, that that will be the, the solution to my problems. And so I think it might be some kind of direct reaction mm. to the exposure that the internet has had to a lot of people. Um, but really that's just a guess. I mean, do you guys have any idea why you think it's popular? 
I mean, I know that it has to do with like Tantra and a lot of things where there's right. these things, but that's, that's old. That's been around for that's, like, that's we, different. That's right. a long time ago. We opened up pure pleasure where April and I got our, our start. I own that, that purepleasureshop.com. Everyone right. own that store with my mom. You get 15% off of coupon code, nice. shameless sex and all your favorite sex toys. And that's where April and I got our start in the sex toy industry. And we sold Montauk Chia's, the multi-orgasmic man. And they talked about semen retention and like prolonging life and all the things you're talking about for health reasons. I just didn't realize that young people and this no no fap thing I, that's new to me and so i've heard of it more for like the healthy and, and energetic purposes and i you mean okay let's talk about like having sex with someone with a penis and you know they ejaculate and then they get all tired after and that doesn't happen all the time but as that person gets older post-not clarity and stuff yeah like i do that. Think the refractory period grows there's truth to withholding from an orgasm time and time and time again. But that's like edging. Are you talking about edging is well, different than it, semen It is retention. edging, but I'm saying when you do withhold and you But and this you can. Is, they're different though, because semen retention means you can still orgasm without getting Correct, correct. You can semen. still orgasm, yes. So However, you, get, you get the energy from the orgasm without the exhaustion of expelling the semen. So I think that this is the difference though. The semen retention that you're talking about, that there was tantric and it has evolved into something that is completely not accurate and something that is fake, new, like fake news. It's legitimately misinformation. Called no like, app. Yeah. Right. Like all of this stuff, you know, I have no problem if you're like, oh, I'm with my partner. We're practicing semen retention to like build the, the relationship, build the sexual tension, but that's not what's going on. It's all these single guys saying, I'm just not going to jerk off because I'm going to get better skin and I'm going to, I'm just yeah. not going to org. I'm just not going to have the ejaculation ejaculate, leave my body. Cause it's going to make my testosterone better. My beard get thicker, which is all bullshit. Like there is no data showing that testosterone levels increase. There's no data showing that, you know, uh, your hair is going to get better. Also, just so you know, medically, it makes no sense for your testosterone levels to increase and your skin to get better. Because what do you think about of guys who go through puberty? What is the first thing you think about? <laughs> Actually, some pimples. You got some pimples. When, you're, when you're testosterone, if I give a guy testosterone, like if they have low testosterone, I give them testosterone injections to treat them. One of the biggest questions I ask is, are you developing acne? Because that's a side effect of higher levels of testosterone. So it, it is just, it makes no sense physiologically. And the other thing is like improving fertility. We know that that's not true. We've actually, they've done studies to see the optimal amount of time for ejaculations to have the best semen parameters. And it's usually about if you ejaculate every day or every other day, that is where your peak semen sperm parameters are because if you think about it you know you're you're if you're retaining semen you're not ejaculating it's kind of just sitting there pooling it's just like you're not clearing the pipes that you get the freshest sperm out there okay just, so dr dubin what about blue balls really a thing believe it or not it is blue balls no. are real <laughs> so how does that work because that seems to go hand in hand like your testes if you have two they could go hand in hand they could just take care of they themselves. can go hand in hand you're right i mean um so the the medical term for blue balls is called epididymal hypertension the ep epididymis is you have your testicle and around it is this thing called the epididymis and basically that is where your sperm are created in your testicle and then they're sent into your epididymis where they travel down and they mature and get, you know, they get motility and they, they learn how to pretty much swim while they're in there. And so when you're having sex, as you guys know, as we've discussed, you're, you get blood flow to your penis and you get an erection. But what most people don't know is, you know, you also get an increase of blood flow to your balls. And so when you're having, when you're engaging in intercourse, and then, uh, you know, and then you don't orgasm after a significant amount of time. Sure, you know, like usually when you orgasm, the blood flow decreases out of your penis, you lose your erection, the blood flow leaves your balls. Sandwich time. Feeling good. Yeah, it's time <laughs> to fall asleep. It's time to just cuddle up and. I hope you still out. cuddle. You better yeah. cuddle me. <laughs> it's great. Cuddling's great. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> But when you, when you don't have that release, when you don't orgasm after specifically a prolonged period of time, your erection will slowly go down, of course, but you know, the blood flow to your balls is still like 
it's still, it's slowing down, but it's still going. So you get this congestion and almost, you know, swelling of your testicles. Can we really measure it? Not really. Like your balls don't look bigger, but you know, this congestion of like the increased blood flow to your balls can cause discomfort and aching, which is what we call blue balls. And which is different than semen retention. Yes, these apparently. are two different, different semen things. Semen retention is completely yeah. different. Different things. So what I would like to say, because we have to wrap this up soon about blue balls, because you just confirmed they're real. So are I, they really we, blue though? We, uh, no, Do they turn blue? I mean, the, so you're saying it's uncomfortable. Probably. That's why it's blue balls. And is you're it like, sad? Sad balls. They're sad balls, but they're it's- They're very it's, sad it, balls. Well, it's, it's, you're, it's saying there's a there's a buildup there that can be uncomfortable. And like, yes. I mean, I can, I can, I won't give examples, but like I've experienced some things in my body of a buildup, like something needs to move. It is, is really uncomfortable like you got blue intense, labia thick well i not my labia so <laughs> here's what i'll say about blue balls though the blue ball excuse has been thrown around a lot where now i have blue balls and now you need to help mm-hmm. me deal with this even if your body is done and if you're watching our video you'd see that dr dubin here is shaking his head he's like no I'm that's not true bad. and no. so what we want to say about yes there so you're saying yes there is truth to the discomfort piece there but it is not someone else's job to help your discomfort when your body is uncomfortable if their body is not up for the task or at hand if their body is a no you go you have your own hands i'm pretty sure you can go grind on the couch over there absolutely go get a go get a vibrator from hot octopus the solo essential and put it on your cock or if you're a pussy owner and if your pussy's like I just need to come right now. <laughs> There's plenty of toys for you too. I have blue fucking labia. I have a blue clit right You're now. And I that get it. That might be a thing. Let's it, look into it. It Let's is. Look you into get, it. We get clit it's boners. Be a thing. There's a thing. Absolutely. Yeah. I know that for sure. But yeah. no, you're right. Listen, despite what any person with a penis will tell you and balls will tell you, it's not dangerous. Blue balls, you're not going to die from die. it. Yeah. You're not going to, your balls aren't going to fall off. It's not going to give you cancer. So like <laughs> if your partner has blue balls and they're freaking out, just know you have no obligation to do anything for that person unless you want to, yeah. they're going to be fine either way. The guy, if you get blue balls, go satisfy yourself, go take a cold shower, go like think about something else. It's going to get better. It'll be fine. And pants, that's it, you know, pants, it happens. sex toys. Go play nine ball if you have a billiards room nearby. <laughs> <laughs> or just go rub one out somewhere. But well, like as well and focus yeah. on the blue balls when you're you. playing nine ball. You. Or, or yeah. you can also be like, all right, well, you're done playing. Do you mind if I touch myself next to you? Or like yeah. there's there's a lot of other options, and this is the same for all bodies and bits. So okay, we gotta run and close this out with Justin, Dr. Doobie, Dr. Justin Dubin, Doobie Doobie. Doobalicious. I think I'm feeling we're going to get you back on our show live. In I would love to come back. Yeah. Live yeah, in no, Miami. Really <laughs> we're coming to Miami to record I'll live. Be, yeah, listen, I'll be in Miami in uh, August. I'm going oh. to Africa for three weeks. But, what? Uh, no. Okay, well, that's Never a whole other. Oh, my Sorry. God. Good yeah, that was, you. That was, uh, Wow. All right. Well, we get, we'll ask you questions about that after this, because we got to run. So how can people find you work with you? How can they find your work? How can what, all the things, all your, the all socials, the so all the things. I made it pretty easy for people to reach out and connect, you know, my Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, it's all the same. It's Justin Dubin, J U S T I N D as in dog, U B as in boy, I N as in Nancy M D. Um, if you want to email me, Justin Dubin, M D at gmail.com. It's the same exact thing. I made it very easy. I do have a men's health health podcast called man up a doctor's guide to men's health we talk about these kinds of topics all the time i think it's a really good resource for for men um, we also interview guys who have issues like who have gone through prostate cancer who've gotten vasectomies things like that i would love to come and talk about vasectomies they rule oh but, yeah let's um, do, oh yeah so let's do that next time you can, yeah you can do the manuppod.com but you can also list, search man up um, on spotify itunes any podcasting platform but that's where you can get me Oh, Dr. Justin Dubin, everyone. I'm giving you my drag queen clap. Have you ever watched any? Uh, oh, I, this is th- like, is that like the, uh, it's the, spirit fingers? It's, no, it's well, no, this is spirit, spirit oh. these are, then... this is how you clap uh, on Coda, which is just um, when the new film that oh, came out that just what won. Great, That's what great deaf folks. Movie. Yes. You Unbelievable. Can, movie. Yes. You gyrate all the fingers, but the drag queen clap I just learned is just touching your middle finger to your thumb. Or have you been to the more conscious people that just snap? You can snap as well. However, I wanted to give you all of the claps, all of them that are verbal and um, they're audible and they're also uh, visual. So thank you so much for sharing all of this 
beautiful this knowledge. This was really with us. fun. This was so much fun. Oh, we're Thank having you, you back for a vasectomy. Oh, you're coming so you back yeah. because oh, yeah, that's vasectomy is one of my favorite things to talk about. <laughs> and to all of you shameless sex revolutionaries out there that are listening right now, if you haven't done so, please go to iTunes and Spotify and rate shameless sex. If you give us five stars, we love you even more. I dream about you at night. And so does Amy. We read every single one of those reviews. So please just take a moment. If you only have time for a little baby emoji, we appreciate that too. (sighs) We will see you next Tuesday. Y'all thank you. Ciao for now. Want to learn more? Go to shamelesssex.com and for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code shamelesssex at purepleasureshop.com.